0: Welcome to Worth Reading Wednesdays here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. This is a podcast hosted by CLPLS librarians about books we're reading and recommending and anything else that has caught our attention. Good morning. (laughs) I'm so sleepy. My name is Tori. I'm the children's and teen's librarian here at the Columbus Lands Public Library and I have a much more chipper co-host today. (laughs) Yes, I am Nicole, the acquisitions
1: and cataloging librarian here and looks like somebody had a rough night last night, did you? Well, you know, uh,
0: listen to (laughs) I stayed up late (laughs) real wild reading <laughs> oh i bet i bet it sounds like what you would do yeah
1: here it was i'm me trying to watch the the next to the last episode of the stand oh,
0: No. have you heard about that i have heard about it it's and i don't know what weird.
1: it's weird it's by it's stephen king and i'm just like looking at Mark at throughout the entire episode's just look at him going, why, why why, do you
0: have me watching this? Do you know the only, guess what the only thing I've ever read by Stephen King is? What? On writing by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I've never oh, read no. any of his books. Really? Except for any... the book that he wrote about writing <laughs> the books.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's sad or if that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: He's kind of like the same, on the same level in my head as like, I don't know. He's, like, one tier below Star Wars. Like, the universe that Stephen King creates is so expansive. It is. And there's so much there. Like, we're... This is, like... I've seen some movies. I learned (laughs) what I needed to learn about creepy pets and creepy children and i believe it or not, the one that creeped
1: me out the most was is it Christine mm-hmm. named the car? car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Nah. Here's the reason why I've named all of my cars and talked to them sweetly. <laughs>
0: What's your car's Literally. name right now? Uh, Calliope von Sweets. Oh, mine's Clary, named after Clary from what? Oh my gosh, Brain Block. I'm so tired. <laughs> Steel Magnolias. Oh, you
1: cannot stay up reading all night and try to come in and do it well, the next day. Well, I wanted to
0: get like, some good recommendations and I pulled the well, bottom then,
1: two. Well, then that's worth it then. So you we'll get, give you a slot. I'll be the chipper
0: one today. And you have given me so many new books and you know I can't, I can't, you help. can't choose. I have no self-control <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. I'm, I'm
1: glad you do. I'm glad you don't have any self-control because we have got some great books to talk about today. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. So in continuation of our Black History Month Rex, I'll go ahead and go first. We've got some new material that is really, really, the first one for sure is just really, really outstanding. It's called Black Buck, a Novel by Mateo Ascaripour. Mm-hmm. And this is new. It came out January 5th of 2021. And as of January 28th, it is on the New York Times bestsellers list. So I got a two for one <laughs> when I decided to pick it. Like I literally was like, hmm, let me uh, let me see what this is going to be about. I Plus, I was just kind of intrigued by Is this new. Yes, it is new. Oh! Super new. I was super
0: intrigued by, wait a minute, you asked me was the sticker new? Yeah, the the sticker. Yes, uh it is new. I was pointing to a sticker on the side of the book that says Urban Fiction. I don't think I've seen a lot of those, so I was asking Nicole if it was new. Yeah, I was like, wait,
1: the book? (laughs) Okay, yeah. We've tried to, on the, the books for African American literature, even though they've got the main African American sticker on the spine, we tried to put a sticker on the front cover of the of the jacket to show another subgenre of what it is. So if it's romance, it'll get a romance sticker. If it's sci-fi fantasy, it'll get one similar to that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, just to let let them know what it was about. Anywho, I was intrigued by the cover art for this one. It's a, it, it's a hand holding up, I would just say a Starbucks cup, so to speak. And you can tell that the story is going to be taking place in a big city because there's like this big. Tall. I don't know if that represents a particular building or not, does it? Um, I'm gonna read that in there,
0: okay. okay? But I don't, I can't remember
1: if this, I, I don't know my buildings very it would well, be, y'all.
0: Probably it would, I know be, it's in New York, yeah. But. It would be if they're trying to say that that's a representation of something in the book, it's that big company. Oh,
1: okay. Well, anywho, this has gotten over 460 reviews on Amazon and it's got a 50%. of five-star ratings as of right now. Wow! So let me just read a little bit of what this is about. Okay, it says, An unambitious 22-year-old Darren lives in a bedside brownstone with his mother, who wants nothing more than to see him live up to his potential as the valedictorian of Bronx science. But Darren is content working at Starbucks in the lobby of a Midtown office building hanging out with his girlfriend, Soraya, and eating his mother's home-cooked meals. I mean, who wouldn't? Same. All that, cha- all that changes when a chance encounter with Rhett Daniels, the silver tongued CEO of Someone, NYC's hottest tech startup, results in an exclusive invitation for Darren to join an elite sales team on the 36th floor. Mm-hmm. After enduring a hell week of training, Darren, the only black person in the company, reimagines himself as Buck, a ruthless salesman unrecognizable to his friends and family. But when things turn tragic at home and Buck feels he's hit rock bottom, he begins to hatch a plan to help young people of color infiltrate America's sales force, setting off a chain of events that forever changes the game.
0: That sounds really
1: interesting. It does. I like that. Although I'm more so intrigued... By how he goes from Darren to Buck. Because
0: that's a. <laughs> like he's his altered. Maybe he'll have some code switching stuff happening. Maybe. We shall see. But again, that
1: is Black Buck, a novel by Matteo Escarapor. Okay. And it is also a read with Jenna Rec as well, Jenna Hagerbush. So uh, we'll have to check that one out. I'm yeah. kind of feeling that one. Alright, my second one is called uh it's a little it's new to us. This came out September 2020, and I have just really been trying to find more romance in African American books. Mm-hmm. It's been sad over the years that I've actually been doing acquisitions in regards to finding books. A lot of things are self published. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to create my own record based Mm -hmm. on the fundamentals of doing of cataloging and mark records and so forth and so on i have Mm -hmm. to actually sometimes create the records from scratch Mm -hmm. because they're not in there most of the forms of romance african-american literature and some urban fiction as well is um actually placed in kindle format most of the time Mm -hmm. so when i'm able to get Anything that's of a hard copy cover, I try to grab them, mm-hmm. even though I know probably from you know distance that it's definitely going to be self-published. Um, but this one has such a beautiful cover, probably because I'm intrigued with the dude on the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mark, I still love you, but... <laughs> that beard oh that beard game is definitely on point and the way that she he's looking at her i think is what intrigues me too i love it when a man is not afraid to show his emotions but anywho before i get too far into it (laughs) it's called behind the scenes by christina c jones it again it came out in in september 2020 it has 588 reviews on amazon with an 84 percent of five star reviews wow so let me tell y'all what it's all about. Oh, ooh, if there's any one thing Pierre and Logan have in common, it's their ability to invite snap judgments based on shallow views of who they are. Mm. Logan is the privileged only daughter of a respective family whose legacy runs long and deep. Pierre is the moody orphan son of big screen royalty who couldn't possibly live up to the prestige of his pedigree, or maybe not. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they're just two people trying to navigate the pressures of a world hell-bent on telling them what they should be and eschewing the limits of other people's expectations. Maybe what they need most is somebody who can see beyond the shallow first impressions, just one person they can allow to see behind the scenes of who they are. Maybe they have more in common than it seems. Ooh. Spicy.
0: I love the angst.
1: I know, right? And just from looking at the cover, it's so, I don't know, I just I love it. You I know, think that's why I like good romance movies where they the expression on men's faces can be seen so sweetly and it's almost like you can see for sure into their souls that says I just feel like you're gonna love me right.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's unique that he's looking into her eyes mm-hmm. instead of like. It's it's not. I don't know. It's he's not, not even a,
1: looking like it's uh, sexualized, so to speak. No, he's looking
0: at her like I care about you. It's very. It's a very intense gaze, and it, it is. There's there's nothing on the front cover other than his face. Like normally romances that are. Even the slight steamy, skin, right? Like have the guy at least shirtless. Have, yeah, at least <laughs> yeah. have a male on there at some in right. some way, shape, or form, body wise. But right. then you know, the higher up the steamy skill, the less the <laughs> steamy scale, the less clothing you have. But literally, it's just his mm-hmm. face and her face and, her, and their profiles. So, yeah. yeah, that's
1: cool. So that was behind the scenes by Christina C. Jones, and those are my new material picks for today. Oh, you flew through those. I did. And, you know, I know you've got some great ones over there, so I want to give you a little bit of extra okay. time.
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna start with my fiction. That one fiction I brought. Okay. It's I Am Every Good Thing and it's brought to you by my possibly one of my favorite teams of authors and illustrators, Derek C. Barnes okay. or Derek Barnes and Dr- Gordon C. James. They also collaborated on crown "O to the fresh cut i mentioned it here before yeah but this is a new collaboration and it's basically i know we've talked in the past about how um sell like we i taught i told you about how that mother of uh she was a woman of color saying mm-hmm. you know she doesn't need a lot of picture books that celebrate black lives in the sense that you're special, or you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. like, in that sense, uh, she said we already do that at home. Right. But this, to me, it's it's along those lines, but I still wanted to point it out because it's celebrating the black young man, Uh specifically, and talking about how, and I mean, this is a children's picture book, Mm -hmm. and it's just talking about how, what black young men specifically bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I've had several friends throughout my childhood, throughout my young adulthood, who were Black and male, and they've always brought something really unique to the table that, mm-hmm. and a perspective that has always made me see things differently and open my eyes to different things. So this hit home for me in a different way, okay. uh, just because I, I, I just wanted to hug Derek Barnes and <laughs> C. James. It made me so happy. Well, I'll um, tell you what.
1: What made me actually go ahead and put that into purchases? It was the title, yeah. Because black males in the United States, broad wherever. They get such a bad rap sometimes that they are not good, that they're inherently mm-hmm. evil, and or that they're up to no good all the time. And yeah. so all I saw was the title. I didn't even know that was the same author mm-hmm. from Fresh Cut. I just was like, I am every good thing. Yes, young man, you are. And
0: it's this boy, he, he looks like a male schooler he on the front cover. And the way the perspective is, his feet are kind of on a diagonal and you're looking up at him Mm -hmm. like you're he's worthy of being looked up to right i found that it's just such a striking cover and Mm -hmm. especially because gordon c james i mean oh my gosh his illustrations they're gorgeous
1: so beautiful the rich browns you can see all the colors of the brown.
0: I want to see, I want to confirm, you know me, I'm always like, what medium did they use? Uh, yeah. Are they starting to put that in books now where they're starting to explain? Yeah, illustrations were done with oil paints. Oh, okay, cool. So I think that's what makes it so unique to me. Oil paints and illust- illustrated children's books, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of it. It's, it's a, they're either using digital means, they're right. using, I can't, I don't know if it's like gauche or goash or it's some kind of paint oil acrylic painting that they use as well, mm-hmm. but not Gordon's, uh, Gordon C. James. Not his style. Like oh, okay. The style of oil painting he uses here is so... You can tell that it, if you go to look at that painting in real life, it's going to be thick with texture. Yeah. And it's going to, like, hop off the page in a mm-hmm. way that even the illustrated book can't fully communicate. Right. And I wish... Oh, goodness. I, I, I'm just obsessed with his artwork like look at this yes,
1: that is beautiful is. i love
0: that so i wanted to read the very last page because it i think it communicates i don't want to read the whole i mean it's a yeah. picture book it's small so but the very last page says and without a shadow of a doubt i am worthy to be loved i am worthy to be loved oh it makes me so happy, it does. Oh,
1: so, I don't have it. Almost th- makes me want to read it to my 21 year old son. <laughs> do it, son. Come here, you know, he's coming over this weekend. You know, I should just say, Hey, you should story time. Well,
0: <laughs> just give it to him as a present and write in the front flap, like, This is how I feel. Yeah, like, you okay, I have to do that. It's like a or a graduation present when he finally gets done with college. Yes, I got you. Girl. You got me. Thank you. <laughs> um, but love yeah, it, though I love that. I don't have much else to say. It's just so it's it's worth reading. It eh? is. Hey, because it's just so it's so meaningful. So. Yeah, it's "I Am Every Good Thing" by Derek Barnes, illustrated by Gordon C. James. Now, the second book, I will have a caveat in saying I haven't fully read it. I'm on chapter one. <laughs> But it's by Jason Reynolds. It's called Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, racism, and You, a remix of the National Book Award winning Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi. Okay. So it does have the introduction by Ibram, and he talks about, like, why he chose Jason Reynolds to – this is basically – so if you've read Stamped from the Beginning or you've seen it, it talks about the origins of racism and where it's come – where it's rooted from and everything. And mm-hmm. he tapped Jason Reynolds to write a young adult <laughs> – Uh, companion okay so and I actually had a chance to when we first started recording this podcast actually Mm -hmm. I was having a chance to sit in on a session by Jason Reynolds it was a zoom Mm -hmm. meeting but he was talking about how his approach to writing is he's not a history buff he's not a historian Mm -hmm. he doesn't know much about you know and he's he comes from a background where he was listening to Queen Latifah and writing poems and you know going down the block with his mom and Mm -hmm. getting the lottery tickets at the corner store stuff like that so he's talking about how he comes from a very urban background and he was just saying like jason reynolds to me as an author is such a he knows how to communicate in a very authentic way that Mm -hmm. isn't like hey i'm trying to be hip to the youths. Right. But it's also not condescending either. Yeah. It's just like, let me level with you for a minute. Mm, okay. Like, person to person. Let's yeah. not even worry about our ages. Okay. So, it, it approaches it with that kind of mindset. And I'm so glad I I want to read Stamp from the Beginning, mm-hmm. but Stamp from the Beginning is, I believe it's six to eight hundred pages. I'm not quite oh, sure. Uh, okay. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah. I know it's a very thick book. Whereas, this remix version, like, it helps me ease into that, yeah, and mm-hmm. gives me a little bit of a introductory. And I have read some articles by Ibrahim in the past that have kind of introduced the concept that he talks about and develops and fleshes out in Stamp from the beginning. But okay, I did want to talk about it because he he goes through it like you know he is t- I like I said I haven't read the book no. um, Stamp from the beginning so I can't tell you what the first chapter talks about but I imagine it's what Jason is talking about in his Mm -hmm. and it's the story of the world's first racist and Mm -hmm. he's talking about how there's a couple of terms that we're going to use in this book there are segregationists those who like he says there are three words to describe the people we'll be exploring segregationists assimilationists and Mm anti-racists there are serious definitions to these things but I'm going to give you mine segregationists are haters (laughs) Like, real haters. People who hate you for not being like them. Assimilationists are people who like you, but only with quotation marks. Mm. Like, like you. Mm. Meaning, they like you because you're like them. And then there are anti-racists. They love you because you're like you. But it's important to note, life can rarely be wrapped into a single word description. It isn't neat and perfectly shaped. So sometimes, over the course of a lifetime... And even over the course of a day, people can take on and act out ideas represented by more than one of these three identities. They can be both and. Just keep that in mind as we explore these folks.
1: Love that. So easily absorbed. Yeah. It's like I'm talking to you. Yeah, and like, you just, oh, literally, okay, like yeah. you're just having a conversation, you yeah. know?
0: And it's not like, here's a Venn diagram. Here right. Are my, <laughs> here are my footnotes. Here, <laughs> right. You know, and I'm not saying Ibram's book would be that way. I don't right. From his introduction alone, I don't get that vibe from him. Yeah. But it's just very, you know, it's in our young adult section because mm-hmm. it's targeted towards teens to talk about these concepts. Right. And so he talks about how in 1415, Prince Henry, he says, The year is 1415, and Prince Henry, there's always a Prince Henry, <laughs> convinced his father, King John of Portugal, to basically pull a caper and capture the main Muslim trading depot on the northeastern tip of Morocco. Why? Simple. Prince Henry was jealous. The Muslims had riches, and if Prince Henry could get the Muslims out of the way, then those riches and resources could be easily accessed. Stolen. A jack move. A robbery. Plain and simple. The take. A bountiful supply of gold. (laughs) And Africans. That's right. The Portuguese were capturing Moorish people who would become prisoners of war. In a war, the Moors hadn't planned on fighting, but had to, to survive. And by prisoners, I mean property. Human property. Hmm. So he's able to... To me, I don't take this topic lightly at all, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he's able to make it kind of funny yeah. in a way that catches your attention. But, hey, we're still talking about something serious, right. but also a jack move, a robbery, right. the, you know, the, the kind pro- of lingo that yeah.
1: a teen would be able to really grasp and hold their attention for sure.
0: Yeah, and he talks about how Prince Henry's historian, in a sense, was Gomez in Desarara, mm-hmm. and it says... Zerara, which sounds like a cheerleader chant did just that cheerleaded cheerled whatever he was a cheerleader kind of (laughs) not the kind who roots for a team and pumps up a crowd but he was a man who made sure the team he played for was represented and heralded as great so he's saying like he made sure that prince henry looked great and by doing that he defended slavery and he specifically defended racism Mm. and that's how the concept became born of these people need to be saved because they are savages when
1: mm-hmm. really that
0: wasn't the case ever mm-hmm. they just were trying to advertise their acts of violence to be something they weren't and that's mm-hmm. kind of how this all began so there was also another scholar i believe mm-hmm. a well-educated moroccan who was a dip who was on a diplomatic journey in the mediterranean sea he was captured and en- enslaved and he had already begun to soak up these ideas that were like propagandized out to people mm-hmm. and his name i believe was al Hassan ibn muhammad al-wazan al-fasi okay and uh he had converted to christianity and they even they eventually called him johannes leo and he later became known as leo africanus or leo the african Okay, but he said about his own people that they were hypersexual savages and jason reynolds says well you know making him the first known African racist. Mm. And he says, when I was growing up, we called this drinking the Kool-Aid or selling out. Either mm. way, Zerara's documentation of the racist ideas that Africans needed slavery in order to be fed and taught Jesus and that it was all ordained by God began to seep in and stick to the European cultural psyche. And a few hundred years later, this idea would eventually reach America. Wow. And, and that's that, all in chapter one, right? That is, and it's very readable. It's a, yeah. like... Chapter one is ten pages. Yeah, and all of that was in
1: chapter one. Yeah, so that's that's a lot. And but not so heavy that it's like I want I would want to keep reading for sure. It's, you know,
0: it's a ma- it's a masterpiece and a masterful skill. I think that Jason Reynolds has a way of talking about things that are very serious, but mm-hmm. also incorporating a little bit of humor. Yeah, to make you feel like you can relate, but also incorporating. You know, it's he, he walks this really fine line that I find to be, I don't know any other author who does that. And mm-hmm. I find it, and I'm taking up the soapbox here. I know. <laughs> I need to stop talking. But it's, I cannot recommend this book enough. And I'm only on chapter one. Like, yeah. that tells you something. Yeah. So, this is, uh, like I said, stamped racism, anti-racism, and you, a remix of the National Book Award winning stamp from the beginning with Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. It's in our YA section in the 300s. I currently have it checked out. I'm sorry. I'm going to read through it as fast as possible. but Like she did last night. Yes. Reading on stuff. Yes, And now I've said it to the public. So. Yeah,
1: right. Well, that was good. That's good new material. Yeah. Those are um, really good. These
0: are both 2020s. They're not okay. 2021s, but, you know,
1: no. we're only a couple only, months in. Right, we're, we're only a couple months in. We're going to get better for sure.
0: Yeah. Well... Let's head on to
1: some read and recommended books. These are all ones that I am recommending. Okay. Um, and they are kind of old, but
0: hey. Look. The f- <laughs> I got some oldies oh. but goodies today. Okay. Let me tell you
1: what. Well, mine is more a little bit more up to date, but I still like yours
0: because I love this story. No, nah, I got like pulled out of my childhood books. <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. This was read to me in class. Really? In elementary school. Okay. I'm a baby. I'm sorry. I can't help when I was born. But. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, this I'm, I'm going to hit
1: the big four or five soon and very happy soon. Happy early
0: birthday. This book, this, is as, this book is as old as me. Guess when it was published. When? 1994.
1: What? That was the year I graduated high school. That was the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I was graduating from high school and you were being born. Yes. We were Aww. very busy people. <laughs> very busy for sure. Well, the one that I, the first one that I want to recommend is about one of my favorite authors and she's been around for a good little bit. I started reading her in high school as well. No, this is not a Brenda Jackson book, (laughs) (laughs) but I do remember sneaking and having a copy of How Stella Got a Groove Back. Oh,
0: (laughs) In I my book bag.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the book was even better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this one was called I Almost Forgot About You by Terry McMillan. I read this in 2017. And it's about a, a doctor. Her name is Georgia Young. And she decides to quit her job as an optometrist. She decides to move out of her house and decides that, you know what, I'm getting ready to start this new journey. And this new journey could very well lead to new love. So brave. I wrote a review trying to try and not read all of it because of the fact that it was kind of long, mm-hmm. but the other one is a little long too. Anyway, I started with, I gave it four stars. I only give five stars to really like, if it really just blew me completely out of the water mm-hmm. and I wish you could do four and a half stars, but on Goodreads you can't. So, mm. but I, I put, I really liked reading this book. I'm only 40, and that was at the time, but I connected with Georgia's need to reinvent herself and find the love for herself before she ever found love again in a man.
0: Mm.
1: I also liked how Georgia's friends didn't try to change her into what they wanted her to be, Mm -hmm. but was still honest with her about how they felt about the ideas she had floating in her head. I put cool friends and I wish I had just one like Wanda. I did put on here that there are those rare but precious times when it seems what you have with someone is a fairy tale never meant to become reality but then that's the beauty and majesty of something so surreal that you recognize finally that you deserve that fairy tale beginning because because it was meant for you to experience that type of passionate, expressive, sweeping, and soul-stirring love that we thought only the Den- Disney princesses were allowed to have. And obviously in my head, I was thinking about my honey bunny. <laughs> Being married at that time, I think it was like maybe 19 years. So I loved, I really loved the book. Terry McMillan has always had a way of writing. Mm-hmm. She's read, written some really good bestsellers. And even though her voice has slightly changed from uh, how she wrote back when I was in high school reading her books, they've not changed so much that you still can't see that this is a a Terry McMillan book. And I like that. I really like that about this particular one. So definitely a good read. You should pick it up if you have. I'm not sure if we have it in our collection. Like I said, we would love so much for people to return some of our (laughs) wonderful books. If you've got it, and not our particular checked out book. But if you have it and you're like, hey, I want to donate to the library, we do accept them mm-hmm. because they're they're uh, kind of hard to come by. But that was I Almost Forgot About You by Terry McMillan. Mm-hmm. The second one that I am recommending is also a 2017 read. And it is by one of my, my probably more so now favorite. I don't know if she's a comedian or what. Anyway, the title is called "The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl," and it's by Issa Rae.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love Issa Rae, and I'm sad as all get out that Insecure is ending after this season. Really, season five is it? And I get it; it's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. So, but I read this in 2017, and it's about Issa Rae. It is a nonfiction read, and she's just talking about how she's an introvert.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: and I'm not sure if she's still feeling that way now in 2021 i mean she was saying she was feeling this way in 2016 but you know she started this whole misadventures of awkward black girl actually doing youtube videos so she had a web series that she started this with um but anywho she opens up her world for everyone to see how she as an introvert navigates love work friendship all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. um as an awkward black girl and she admits one little thing. She says that she was told that those two identifiers of a black girl and awkward were the worst things to be. And she was like, so let me show you how they are. Aww. So anyway, my review, I gave it four stars. So that says a whole lot. OK, so I put this book literally changed my, my mind, literally a little bit. Through my tiptoeing resurgence into the genre of nonfiction, because at the time I hadn't read nonfiction in a minute, so Mm. I was trying to get back into it. I found this book actually read like a novel, almost like watching an episode of Insecure without waiting for the next season. Page turner bouts of text? Check. Laugh out loud scenarios? Check. Moments of reflection that reminded me that I was just like the characters? Check. I mean, what can I not say about this book? It was an awesome read, and I feel inspired to read more nonfiction. So there you go, Issa. You turned my brain in 2017 to make sure and put more nonfiction back in it. So there you have it. I put Issa turned the entire tide of my natural reading habits in just 204 pages. Gasp. Thanks, Issa.
0: (laughs) I like that.
1: (laughs) So that was really good. I love that. That was The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by Issa Ray.
0: Gotcha. Well, I dived through the oldies book goodies because as we go through celebrating black history, I wanted to to think about the black authors, the black illustrators who really impacted me as a reader. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking at the same time, In the juvenile section, our 300s section is, like, myths and folklore, and then our 800s is poetry and Mm. literature, things like that. And I just feel like they don't get enough, like, loving sometimes. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so I was like, how can I combine what I really remember and loved as a kid, as, you know, growing up, some of the writers who impacted me who were of the black community Mm -hmm. with these sections. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I love absolutely love Langston Hughes's poetry. And then I was thinking, well, myths and folklore, we were talking about John Mm -hmm. Henry and Br'er Rabbit and all that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Well, in my elementary school days, this was the exact book of John Henry read to me in class. It was some kind of myths unit that they Mm -hmm. were doing or something and this was one of the books that my teacher had picked up. Mm -hmm. And so my first read and recommended book is John Henry by Julius Lester with pictures by Jerry Pinkney, And this specific version, you want the pictures by Jerry Pinkney because they are oh, absolutely breathtaking. That
1: cover. Oh my goodness.
0: Right. Oh, he's just looking so stoic and yes. strong. And,
1: and not exaggeratedly stoic and strong as we know almost, of yeah. the legend of John Henry.
0: He's just, he looks... He looks so calm to me. Mm-hmm. Like I want to talk to this person mm-hmm. and learn about them from, and I want to like soak into wisdom. Yeah, just in that picture alone. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Pinkney created these images with full color artwork, and it was prepared using pencil, colored pencils, and watercolor. Me, um, but it just goes through the the myth that is well, he kind of plays it like you know, is it a myth or you mm. know because there have been, in the introduction, there have been writers who have tried to research John Henry to see whether he was a real person or not, right. and so it kind of plays a little bit with that, but yeah. I I wish I had gone back to this sooner, the metaphors alone in this small story, I mean this book is not long at all Mm-mm. I would definitely take it home to read as a bedtime story to my kid if I had children, mm-hmm. but uh, this book I was reading it At the table, or at the back work table, Mm -hmm. downstairs last night. And the metaphors were knocking me off my seat. I was (laughs) like, what? How did I miss this as a kid? But as a kid, you know, you're not... You're just looking at the pictures. Yeah. And and I mean, that's what stuck with me growing up, were the pictures and the scenery that happened in this book. The the watercolors, the paint, how John Henry grows up, and he he busts this picture. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Stuck in my head as a little kid. Wow. And... Then, you know, he grows up, and he's going to – he tells Ferret Face Freddy that he has to be nice a whole year if he wins the race. And he wins the race, and by the time Ferret Face Freddy gets there, he's already drinking soda. <laughs> and so Ferret oh, Face geez. Freddy was so nice, everybody called him Fred Frederick the Friendly. Aww. And then, you know, he goes through the mountain, and he's told – you know, he busts through one mountain, and then he's told that they have an opportunity. I believe it's the – I don't want to get the. It's the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad through West Virginia. This is the the main arc of the folk tale: is that John Henry digs through the mountain mm-hmm. to create the railroad track, right. and at the very end, he passes away because he dug so hard and so long without any breaks that he just passes away. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to highlight. I tab this page specifically because mm-hmm. I felt like it was the. The best representation of all the metaphors, and I'm just going to read. What he saw was a mountain as big as hurt feelings. On one side was a big machine hooked up to hoses. It was belching smoke and steam. As ma- as the machine attacked the mountain, rocks and dirt and underbrush flew into the air. On the other side was John Henry. Next to the mountain, he didn't look much bigger than a wish that wasn't going to come true. Mm. He had a 20-pound hammer in each hand and muscles as hard as wisdom in each arm. As he swung them through the air, they shone like silver. And when the hammers hit the rock, they rang like gold. Before long, tongues of fire leaped out with each blow. Wow. So this, like, literally, I can't, it's childhood to me.
1: So I have a question for you. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, In your schools, were there a lot of black children?
0: Well, I grew up, I want to say they were definitely a minority for sure. Like, black Mm -hmm. children were. There was more white people that I went to school with, but I, w- I grew up in a military town. Oh, so okay. I had the unique experience of going to school with so many different nationalities, ethnicities Me. throughout the time. I got a lot of, you know, exposure to different cultures at an early age. So Well, cool to your teacher teacher for, for yeah. pulling that out. I mean,
1: you know, as a teacher, I wanted so much to just hit on a lot of different things with my kids that weren't you know, just the basic stuff. Um, I will admit that I enjoyed teaching a lot more in Virginia than I necessarily kind of did down here mm-hmm. because I could really, like, so Dartha was my favorite to teach, yeah. you know, um, for them to learn about that. And it was just cool, yeah. you know, not trying to change somebody's religion, but just for you to kind of see, you know, what somebody thought about Buddha. Yeah. You Exposures
0: know? to other cultures doesn't mean that you're going to be Right. That doesn't mean somebody's trying to indoctrinate you. Right. right. Exactly. Like to me, anytime I go learn about a different religion, I'm like trying to build empathy, mm. and I'm like, where are these people coming from, so right. that I can learn. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's cool to see that. And it is
1: this. I so teachers matter. Yeah. Teachers representing representing all different types of cultures is is important for kids. It really is.
0: Yeah. Like this. This is. I still remember I was sitting at my desk. I like, I have this is such a graphic memory for me in my childhood. I was sitting at my desk and the teacher was sitting up on her stool in the front and she was reading, and I was just like, <gasps> oh wow, like, young Tori! Yeah. Is so mesmerized. By the John Henry, yeah, was so, I was like, how did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so cool. It so, yeah, was. Well, Obsessed. But, so the next one I have is called The Block. I actually. Did not hadn't read this until last night I read okay. it, but I've read Langston Hughes's poetry many a times. I love his language. Uh, anytime you're covering the Harlem Renaissance movement in school, we talked about Langston Hughes because he was considered the poet of yeah. the Harlem Renaissance. So I pulled this out because I was like, wait a minute, let me... Let me talk about some Langston, and happy belated birthday, Mr. Langston Hughes. He was born on February the 1st. Okay, happy belated birthday. Yeah, so, I mean, it's February 2nd as of this recording. Oh, we need to get a new one. We do need to get a new one. Okay. But it is, so this book that we have is called The Block. It is a a publication from actually the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they combined collages by Romare Bearden and poems by Langston Hughes. Okay. And in the back, it taught me a lot about Romare Bearden that I never knew about. Like, I did not know this guy was big, but he's big. Mm. And Romare Bearden was actually considered one of the Harlem Renaissance artists at the time. Mm -hmm. He was a white male, and he was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. but he actually focused a lot of his collage work on the African-American community, built up – like, this is – to me, this says allyship before allyship was a word, really. Mm, okay. He was just right alongside some of these individuals, and he knew Langston Hughes. Cool. They worked together. So they've essentially put Romare Bearden's collage work mm-hmm. next to some poems by Langston Hughes, and it just tells you so much – like you can just look at one side of the page and you have a whole story and then Mm -hmm. the other side you have the whole poem and it's just these two works in tandem together that were created separately and it's just like such an ode to the Harlem Renaissance and it's so so good and goodness the first poem just knocks your socks off I love it so much (laughs) I don't want to read it though because I want somebody to go find it yeah and read it and love it because it's so It this was just like a little, because it's a small book. It's only like thirty pages long. Yeah. But it's like a little, uh, like the book equivalent of a nighttime chocolate. Mm. You're craving chocolate at night. Yeah. A little something. Just a little something. You can't have the whole box of cookies because you've got to go to bed. But you already brushed your teeth. Mm. -hmm. You want that little (laughs) something. Um, I do want to read just one. One of the sadder ones because I couldn't not read it. It was late last night. By Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. And late last night, I sat on my steps and cried. Wasn't nobody gone, neither had nobody died. I was crying because you broke my heart in two. You looked at me cross eyed and broke my heart in two. So I was crying on account of you. Aww. And you have a collage by Romari. Ram- um, Romari, yeah. You have a collage by Romari bearded on the right page, and it's dark black across the double page spread late last night is r- the typeset is like they're on stairs right. and the collage has a man sitting on stairs, but like the material looks like to be different kinds of paper. And the he man's bent
1: over. Yeah. Like
0: he said yeah. me <sighs> so good. Like I love it. Made me. <laughs> I can't. Okay. You're I got so Warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I'm so warm and fuzzy. Okay. We got to stop. But that was the block uh with so it's technically by the Metropolitan Museum of Art mm-hmm. but it's got a collage by Romare Bearden and poems by Langston Hughes. It does have an introduction by Bill Cosby say what you will about the man I didn't think it was detrimental to my reading experience. Right. I like I don't care about Bill Cosby. I care about Langston Hughes. So right exactly. That was, was the block it was delicious I loved it go check it out it's in my 800 section
1: (laughs) so is it something that you're seeing because you know I try to work closely with you to to provide as much padding in certain sections that we're missing Mm -hmm. are you seeing that possibly I need to add some of those more mythological african-american characters so to speak
0: I don't want to answer that for sure because I don't really I know we have some african-american tales and we actually have some African-American poetry that was, like, I didn't know the author, so I didn't want to, like, highlight them. I might do it in the next episode, actually. Okay. Um, But let me go through there and okay. see what – because I knew we had John Henry. Yeah. Like, I knew – I was like, oh, I love that book. I, <laughs> I knew we had it. But But right. um, this one was a new discovery for me. Okay. And then, yeah, I want to circle back with you on that. Okay, for sure.
1: Because I want to make sure we've got some good stuff in there to choose from because they are kind of falling – Well, not necessarily falling apart, but they're they're old to the point where a child wouldn't necessarily just go and grab it off the shelf. I think it would be something that a parent would say, hey, you know, this is one that you definitely could look at. But because it's older and it's faded. You know.
0: Well, my best recommendation, like, right off the top of my head, would be just if we can replace some of the, not that there's anything wrong with these books, but right. if we can update them to the newest one, if we ever have any wiggle room, that would probably okay. be my first recommendation. Okay. Just so it doesn't look so old. 'Cause yeah. These books they're in the older library binding. That's what all right. we're saying with this is yeah. that if you look off to the of the binding itself, it's that old I don't know if you can hear It's that old hard <laughs> yeah hard uh, library binding that it's almost like hatch marked in, in the material. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm talking about right. if you've ever read a book before the 90s. Um, <laughs> right. But but it's just that to kids today to see mm-hmm. that on the shelf, their brains just completely disregard it and they move on to something that looks newer. Yeah. And I think that's such an injustice for some of these mm. gems that we have just because it's not in the yeah. updated version. So. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I'll definitely look into that. Those are great. I feel all warm and fuzzy now. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I say we just skip over non book recommendations okay. today. You Maybe wanna that...
0: bounce? Yeah. You wanna bounce?
1: Let's just bounce. We took forever. I'm sorry. That's y'all, okay.
0: <laughs> I had some feelings. I yes. needed to get them off my chest.
1: And she did, and she did so eloquently, and I just love hearing you talk. Um, I wish y'all could sometimes see us or see my face as I watch her. <laughs> Uh, discuss what she's brought. Um, I'm just entranced by Tori. Oh. I'm, I'm entranced and I'm just amazed at how eloquently you speak and how you're able to express yourself with words that I'm just like, wow. You know. Thank you. You are just so cool.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. You're cool too, Nicole.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I don't think that as much, but you know, that's no, the you one are. in me.
0: You are. <laughs>
1: that's the one in me. Well, guys, we hope that you all enjoyed this particular episode of Worth Reading Wednesdays. We've still got some really great African-American books to really celebrate. So stick with us. And we hope to see you next week or listen to you next week. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Listen, see. See. Say bye. Yeah. Something.
0: Something next week. Bye.
1: Bye.